Hi there. Welcome to the Biz Communication Show. I'm your host, Bill Lampton, the Biz Communication Guy, bringing tips and strategies that will boost your business because my guest and I will share winning words and ways with you. A terrific privilege today to have as our guest, Jeff Dantzler. This show, as you know, is about business communication. And today we're going to talk about one of the very big American businesses, and that's college football. If you mention University of Georgia football, you'll soon be talking about Jeff Dantzler from the university's radio network broadcasting. And I do mean superlative broadcasting has been his life for more than 30 years. You know, I'm guessing that Jeff Dantzler did not have a pacifier in his crib. I think he probably had a tiny microphone <laughs> and that's what he did his teething on. Just to give an overview of some of his fascinating broadcast activities, Jeff Dantzler hosts George's football's pregame and postgame shows along with his sidekick, Kevin Butler. Kevin Butler, the famous place kicker from University of Georgia and also the Chicago Bears. Jeff is the play-by-play -play announcer for Georgia men's baseball and women's basketball. The basketball and soccer announcer for the SEC Neat Network. He was an analyst for the 2012 and 2014 Olympics. And he's even been a master of ceremonies at very important events. For example, he was master of ceremonies at the memorial service, a celebration of life for the revered coach, longtime Georgia coach, Vince Dooley. And also Jeff was MC of the Georgia governor's inauguration. All of this tells you the caliber of who's joining us now. So join me in welcoming Jeff Dantzler. Hello, Jeff. Uh, Mr. Lampton, I appreciate you having me on. It's always an honor, and I appreciate that glowing introduction that you gave me. And in, in fact, you, you, I think Kevin prefers that I'm his sidekick, but I guess <laughs> that this is a, a picture of him, his stock photo from the files of the great Claude Felton. And Kevin autographed this for me back in 1983. Uh, so I, I'd written a letter to, to Claude, who went to the longtime sports information director at Georgia. And he went to high school with my parents and asked him for some autographs. And uh, so I got a, a Kevin Butler autograph. And it was funny, the first time the night before a show that he stayed at our condo, I, I pulled out that autograph photo and put it on his pillow. So, <laughs> so we really come full circle. I would I was one of the um probably seventy thousand at that time who was at the game where he kicked that famous sixty yard field goal. What was it, uh, thirteen seconds left against Clemson, I believe? Yeah, it sure was back back in nineteen eighty four. And I remember uh, I've seen of course a video of it several times and I remember Larry Munson announcing that when Kevin Butler made that kick, that he didn't even watch it go through. He knew it was going through and he just turned around and started celebrating. 
Yeah, and I think he fell out of his chair. And the uh, and for the Masters, there there are things. I don't think he ever said it was good. It's just, oh, my God, oh, my God. And uh, I was listening at home in Statesboro, Georgia, pacing and nervous. And and, and the crowd, I, I still say, I think that's, that's the loudest Sanford Stadium's ever been, at least at at one moment and that was such a big upset and uh kevin provided so many great moments at georgia and that, that's definitely one of them but you know they're, they're just so many stories uh friends that i got to be friends with later who were at school they'd say it that they were and you would wind up everybody was jumping around so much you might be three or four rows and four or five seats over from where you were at the start of the kick so that was definitely a great moment and you know, that, that was kind of, I always say, that the end of the glory days of the early 80s. And it, it was such a special time, that 80 through 83. And then I, I always go two games in for 84 because of that kick. But, you know, to, to be going through an, another golden era right now, it's, it's really, really special, especially for those of us like like me and you who were, who were there. I was very young uh, back in the early 80s, but to get to experience this again, it, it's really awesome. Yes, and one thing when you, when both of us are talking about Kevin Butler, it brings up something I want to mention, and that is, uh, I mentioned in the introduction that you and Kevin Butler co-host the pregame show uh, outside the Georgia bookstore, and you you do it for several hours. There are many, many thousands of people who come by. And I made a note of some of the people who are helping you with the hosting is Hondo Williams, Kevin Butler, DJ Shockley, Eric Zire, Lauren Smith. And for a fan, and I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm a former faculty member there at UGA, and both of my daughters fin uh, finished their degrees there. And I had wonderful experiences there. I've got a granddaughter there now. And every one of us has great appreciation for the fact that here are these great names, including yours, associated with Georgia football. And instead of your being off secluded someplace for the pregame show, not only do you do the broadcasting there, but every few minutes when it's time for a commercial, you take uh, that opportunity to invite people up to the stands to, and you have a, phot a photographer and we hand you our camera. And I've had that, that privilege of being photographed with that group uh, several years. And when I, when I do, Jeff, and I put that on Facebook, I, all my friends say, how did you get so lucky? <laughs> so what I wanted to ask you is, uh, I think that started 14 years ago, if I'm correct. And I, I remember maybe before that you were in the, the Georgia Center for Continuing Education. But what do you what do you feel that that achieves being that close to the fans for that long a time? Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's great to be visible. And that is such a, a terrific thoroughfare. Uh, where we sit, that the stadium is over to our left, and we're looking at the bookstore to our right and the Tate Student Center straight ahead. Uh, trying to say Tate Student Center and Sanford Stadium kind of in the same breath, I stumble over that a good bit, so I have to go slowly. But that, and it's great. We get to see the band come by 
and just the pageantry of it. But uh, I, I know for me, before anything else, I'm a Georgia football fan. I've said so many times outside of my parents uh, who thank God are still with us that I, I've loved Georgia longer than anything in my life that, that, that's, that's still with us here. And, and I think for so many of us, it's that great unifier and, and it brings us back together. And definitely for a university, it's the, as the old saying goes, it, it's the front porch for a university. People come back to campus uh, to, to watch games, especially football games. So I, I think it's extremely important to be visible and to be accessible. And it, it's pretty easy for me. Usually when you talk about people wanting pictures and autographs, my number one job when Kevin and I are up there is just to get out of the way so people could have their picture and autographs uh, with, with KB. And I just kind of move to the side because 90% of the people just want him in there. They don't want me messing up the picture. Well, I don't usually disagree with somebody during, uh, uh, <laughs> I, and I don't like to call this an interview. I like to call it a conversation, but I'll have to disagree with you on that. There are many fans who want to be with JD, as you're affectionately known, and they want their photo taken with you as well. Something that crossed my mind also, I, I've given an overview and it's just an overview because your stellar broadcasting career covers so much. And I, I want to ask, and I'm sure many of our viewers and our podcast listeners would like to know, I mentioned that you started out probably with a, a mic in your, in your crib. Who were some of your early role models and maybe even mentors you you don't get to the position that you're in jeff without having had some great role models and influencers so who might be some of your sports broadcasting heroes uh well larry munts and larry munts and larry munts you know he's the greatest ever and uh for 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 me larry munson and Dan McGill, uh, who was the greatest Bulldog ever. Those guys were at the top of the list, but I always enjoyed Vin Scully and Al Michaels and Keith Jackson. You know, the, the thing about it with, with sportscasting, I know for, for things we do, like for me, if I was playing tennis or baseball, I would try and mimic, I think as we all do as kids, what our favorite players are doing. John McEnroe is my favorite tennis player. So even though he was a lefty and I was a righty, I would try and serve in the same fashion he did. Tom Watson was my favorite favorite golfer. So I would try and line up putts like he did. Uh, Reggie Jackson was my favorite baseball player. I tried to swing like he did. I, I certainly couldn't run like Herschel. And, uh, and you know, whether it was a, a take it a jump shot. Uh, you, the, my favorite basketball player was Dr. J. I couldn't jump like him. But, but, but I think we all do that growing up when it comes to sports. But, but I think one thing for, for sports casting, they're guys you admire. But uh, for, for the greats like Larry Munson and Keith Jackson and Al Michaels, I mean, those guys are artists. They're poets. So you don't really want to try and, and mimic them. You, you might could take certain things from them. But, you know, I, I grew up imitating Larry Munson and, you know, just going around and I could recite all of his famous calls. But when you're actually doing a broadcast yourself, obviously you're wanting to to honor and pay tribute to. But I think you have to have your own style. And I'm sure a lot of 
rock and roll uh, artists would tell you, yeah, we love the Beatles, love Led Zeppelin coming up. You know, you're never going to be able to play like, like Jimmy Page could. So he's somebody who's, who's an inspiration. But when, when you get somebody who's really great, I, I think you uh, aspire to be at a certain level there. But when it comes to an original like the Mighty Munson, there's only one. Some of our viewers, some of our listeners might, if they're, if they're not connected with the University of Georgia, might not know about Larry Munson's career with UGA. Tell us, give us a, a summary of that, please. Well, Munts was hired. Uh, it was actually Coach McGill who uh, suggested, Coach McGill and Coach Dooley brought him in. Those guys had great eyes for talent. Uh, he had called Vanderbilt games for 11 years, I believe it was, in Nashville. He had a, had a fishing show up there, as he would say. And he had actually replaced the, the legendary Kirk Gowdy as the voice of the Wyoming Cowboys uh, before that. And uh, Munson, Larry came down uh, when the Braves moved to Atlanta, the Braves and the Falcons in 66, and he came down to call the Braves games. And he did the games for a year. And as, as legend has it, uh, Milo Hamilton, who was a famous announcer who had the, the 715 Hank Aaron home run call, uh, Milo did not like Munts and he was probably threatened by him. Guys in my business have huge egos. And at that point, Ed Thelenius, who was the longtime voice of the Bulldogs, had taken the Falcons job to call the Falcons. So there was an opening. And Coach McGill had, had heard Munson and, uh, you know, be between Vanderbilt and doing the Braves. And so he and Coach Dooley made the decision to hire him in 1966. And the rest is history. I mean, he is that that link, that lasting link for so many people. And I think one thing that's that's changed and, and this doesn't just go for Georgia. There are so many famous announcers at different schools. I'm thinking about. John Ward at Tennessee and Bob Kessley, who succeeded him, is great. Bob Fulton at South Carolina uh, for so many years that so many of the iconic calls came uh, back in the 70s and the early part of the 80s when there just weren't that many games on TV. I mean, the, the rules of the day used to be you could be on TV only two, maybe three times in the regular season. So when you think about some of Munson's most famous calls, like Herschel's debut at Tennessee in 1980, uh, the win at Auburn uh, when we were 9-0, and number one, and they were 7-2, uh, 1982, sugar falling from the sky. That was Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson. That game wasn't on television. I know that's hard to imagine these days. And, and I say thank goodness because uh, for those of us who, who weren't there, your, your, your link, your visual, it was provided by Larry Munson. And that, that was really the, the end of a golden age of radio. Well, as the, the saying goes, and I've had the opportunity to freelance in radio for many years, and of course, uh, the saying goes about radio, it's the theater of the mind. And, and I remember so well when before uh, football games, college football games, as you said, they were limited how many times, but I can remember even before they were on television. So we, to, to get our picture of what was happening with the game, we depended entirely on the announcers. One of the interesting things, Jeff, I don't know if people have commented on it to you, but one of the things I experienced was when television came along, 
it seemed to me that the excitement that you felt listening to radio was a little bit stronger than even watching the game because you could picture it in your mind. Have you ever had anybody mention that contrast to you? Yes, it, I think a lot of that goes to on radio. A great announcer can fill in the gaps. I think especially for football. Now, now the game is it's being played at a fast played at a faster pace now. There's not as much time between plays with a lot more teams going hurry up. But definitely for baseball, where there's there's a good bit of time between pitches. The great announcers. I think about Vin Scully. He was the master at calling a game while telling a story. Uh, you know, Marv Albert, Al Michaels, Keith Jackson, the great ones could do that. And of course, Harry Carey's one of the best ever. And there was a, a, a story that was related one time. I can't remember who wrote about it. And back in the day, before the Braves came around, the St. Louis Cardinals were the, the closest team to the Southeast. And they had a booming radio signal, KMOX, which I believe is 1510 out of St. Louis. And that would reach all into the Southeast, kind of similar to WSB out of Atlanta. Probably a 100,000 watt station at the time. Yes, sir. So there were a lot of people in the South who grew up Cardinals. And I'm talking back in the 40s and 50s, uh, before there were games on TV or into the 50s, when there was, I guess you remember Dizzy Dean, when there was just one game. Oh, yes. TV. That was my dad's favorite. And I even asked Coach Dooley one time, I said, Coach, who was your, your baseball team? He goes, oh, I love the St. Louis Cardinals. I grew up in Mobile and we could get the broadcast. Marty Marion and Stan Musial. But Jack Buck and, and Harry Carey were, were the announcers. And there was a story once that, that someone from, I don't know, Alabama, Mississippi had gotten to go up and, and watch the Cardinals one weekend in, in the summertime. And and they got back home and were asked, well, how was it? You, know, you, you saw Musial or Bob Gibson and, and, and Lou Brock. And just had, they go, yeah, it, it was great. But you know what? It just wasn't as exciting as listening on the radio with Harry Carey. And, and I just thought that who, Harry might have made that up. I don't know. I love <laughs> Harry, yep. Uh, the, the late great Skip Carey too, but but I, I think that is one of those things. If you do have a great announcer, especially you know when, when you think about baseball, when there's so much downtime, to be able to to weave the stories in there. And Ben Scully was really the the master of that, and and he the, his broadcasts were simulcast radio and TV for the Dodgers. And, and he would tell a story while calling the game. And, and you always knew what was going on in the game, too. So I think that is just that's just having that God-given ability that you, that you work at every day. And th- those guys were the masters. Well, that, that uh, underscores the point that I made. Jeff, we're going to be back in just a few seconds. And I want to make a comment then about what you said about not imitating the experts. Be back shortly. Do you wish you felt confident about giving speeches? Do you want to deal with difficult people constructively? And what about becoming more persuasive in sales? Then keep listening now to Dr. Bill Lampton. He spent 20 years in management, so he knows the communication skills you need for success. I urge you to call the Biz Communication Guy today for a no-cost but very valuable 30-minute discussion about your communication challenges. Call now, 678 316 4300. Again, that's 678-316-4300. 
Jeff, getting back to the statement that you made about you watched some of the best broadcasters, the best that you could watch and hear, but you didn't imitate them. I'll have to emphasize that as a speech coach, that's exactly what I tell my my speech coaching clients because they will see somebody that is absolutely compelling with an audience and it's okay to pick up some cues from that person just as you would from broadcasting but when they start to imitate one of the, one of the things that uh, I heard quite a while ago and I I think I repeat it quite often is be yourself everybody else is already taken <laughs> you know imitations don't really work if you think back to some of the most famous speakers in American history, such as John Kennedy or Martin Luther King Jr. There were, they had many, many imitators, but the imitators were not using their own innate talents, which they could develop. So I, I just want to underscore that. Let's talk now about the new radio show uh, that you launched recently. I had the privilege not only of listening to the first edition when you interviewed that longtime broadcast companion of yours, Kevin Butler, but you even took call-ins and I got lucky enough to be one of the callers. Tell us about your show, the format, what you attempt to accomplish with it, and even uh, most importantly, how we can hear it daily. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a friend of mine, Bill Shanks, he and a, a group, they've got nine stations in central and south Georgia, all the way over to southeast Georgia, got a pretty big footprint of the state, and, and they had had some turnover, and Bill called me back in the spring and asked if I'd be interested in maybe doing an hour, and eh. I'd done the, the daily thing for a long time here in Athens, and I tried to talk him out of hiring me about four or five times. Bill's a great guy and a good friend, and, and he said, listen, it's just an hour a day. If you need days off, that's fine. If you if you need to tape something, that's fine, too. So I agreed to do it, and um, it was, it, it's been a lot of fun getting back to the the Monday through Friday, especially leading into the start of football season. So I usually have a guest on and take a couple of calls and, and, and look at a couple of tweets. And it, it's interesting. And Bill, you can certainly speak to this. You, know, you, you were talking about some of the, the great speech makers of all time that uh, whether you're talking about an hour or whether you're talking about five minutes, if, if somebody tells you, well, I got to give a five minute speech, that could either be really long or really short. So when, and I've had great guests uh, get friends on when, when you get good callers going and then hours zips by. Um, but, but I would say one piece of advice I'll always say to people, if you have to give a, a speech, I, I think it's important to make it good. It can be two minutes and good. That's great. It can be if you're 14 minutes and good, boy, that's that's really good. But then the problem is that there's another speaker who might not have 14 minutes. They often think, well, gosh, I got to go long, too. Here's a tip. You don't. 
because at a banquet, I've always, I'm always reminded when I've got the honor of emceeing some some Georgia banquets. Or Josh Brooks, our AD, he was just great. Josh said, "Remember, JD, nobody ever left a banquet going, wow, I wish that one had really gone longer.'" But I, I've been to some events before where a first speaker might be really good and go 10 to 12 minutes and they're going to be four or five more. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, if you've only got two minutes worth of material, that's fine. Two minutes of good is a lot better than two minutes of good trying to be stretched into 10 minutes. So that's my, my big key. No matter how long it is, if you got to get up and talk to a group, like I said, at a banquet, if it's a professional seminar, if you're just having to give a presentation for your company, don't worry about the time of it. Just make it good. I agree fully. And uh, historically, there's there's a great confirmation for that because Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, as I remember, lasted a little over two minutes. The other speaker that day spoke for more than two hours. <laughs> Which one do we remember? <laughs> exactly. It is absolutely great historical illustration there. You mentioned to go, my friend, that time moves along and time especially moves along when you're having fun. It's such fun to host you always. And I'm already looking forward to the next time. And I know that our viewers are and our listeners are as well. So I know, too, Jeff, that there are many who would like your contact information. You're a fabulous resource. And I, I also want to say that keep your calendar ready. I want you on here again. Anytime. We can arrange that. So please give us your contact information. I think that the best way to reach me, I'm, my social media thing, I'm on Twitter. So at Jeff Dantzler TV. That's the best way. Just, just tweet at me. I try to respond to, to all of them. It can get a little busy on game day, but I try and hit them all. So I think that's that's the best way to do it. Okay. Thank you for that. And we'll be tweeting you, I'm sure. And now that you've given your contact information, I'm very happy to give mine. I invite you to go to my YouTube channel. When you get to YouTube, you see the search bar, type in my YouTube moniker, which is Bill Lampton, PhD. And when you're there, you will have access to more than 450, this is free, 450 instructional videos. Many of them are solo presentations, but in the last five years, when I've hosted the Biz Communication Show, I have great communication experts like Jeff Dantzler, you can learn from. So I invite you to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And then, of course, my website, since I'm the biz communication guy, my website, quite logically, is biz, B-I-Z, bizcommunicationguy.com. And while you're on the website, notice that there's a place that you can sign up to subscribe to the podcast. want you to do that, please. And then very naturally, after you see my services for corporations and for leaders, I want you to give me a phone call. And my number is 678-316-4300. And again, I'll repeat that, 678-316-4300. Jeff, I 
thank our viewers and listeners for being with us. And certainly I thank you again for being here. And so I'm wondering, Jeff, are there any closing words you have that would sort of pull together the high points that we hit today or whatever advice you'd like to leave with us? Well, I always enjoy being with you. It's an honor and, and hopefully we can do it again. But I, I think when it comes to uh, communication in any form, just honesty and authenticity are, are the best ways to go. And uh, when people have asked me amongst the, the, the many traits that make Kirby Smart such a great football coach and leader at the University of Georgia, I think number one is the, the authenticity. He and his wife, Mary Beth, they, they played here. They were great students here. And when Kirby got into coaching, this is where he's always wanted to be. When they got married, this is where they've always wanted to be. And and I think that that's that little extra because there are a lot of good teams. There are a lot of good coaches out there. But I think that authenticity is is the most important thing. And I, and I like what you said about be yourself. Was it everybody else is taken? So I, I think in anything you do, I think just, just being yourself and letting it show through. You know, if people like you, great. If they don't, eh. Not everybody's going to like you, but that's all right. And of course, um, as, as we said, you can and you should, and you will want to watch experts in your field. But again, I'm, I'm so happy you mentioned the word authenticity, being authentic. That's a, a very important part of not only our professional life, but our personal life as well. Again, thanks so much to Jeff Dantzler, that great voice from the University of Georgia. Thanks to those of you who joined us on video and on the podcast. We know that through Jeff Dantzler and our conversation, you learned winning words and ways that will boost your business. I'm Bill Lampton, the biz communication guy, inviting you to be with us again for the next edition of the Biz Communication Show.